So today we have a collection of very interesting videos showing the many different ways that robots can run amok and humans getting very pissed off. What happens if someone tries to steal them, tries to kick them over, or if humans attack them with a hammer? Whether you like it or not, a world filled with robots all around us is upon us. Both humans and bots need to learn how to live together. We're joined today by Scott Walter, who will help us brainstorm ways we can prevent these weird events from happening. How will the bots react when a human does something bad? How will we make sure that humans aren't hurt when the bots are the ones doing something bad? Scott has co-founded two robotics companies in the past and has now been doing research on the new bots coming to market. Welcome, Scott. This is like, I believe, our 10th video together. Thank you so wow. much for joining me. Wow, number 10. That's great. It might actually be way more than that. I just think okay. it's past 10. Awesome. So thank you so much, Scott. This is fun. This one is a much more fun video because we're going to show a lot of different uh, videos of just bots going crazy and more actually, more accurately, humans reacting to bots. Maybe you can tell me if you think that this is just the initial beginnings, right, of when humans are living in a certain way, now starting to see bots around them, and they're getting pissed off as we move forward. So why don't we start with that? Just so some sort of initial kind of reaction um, by the humans about what they're seeing here and think what um, what you're thinking. Okay, so let's play this one. I'm running right at me. What the f*** are you doing? Go around me. I'm not moving for you. You move for me. Lance. And here this dumbass. You guys are out of control. You guys, first of all, slow down on the sidewalk. When you see somebody coming, you get out of the way. Okay, humans are not going to move for you. You guys are going to move for us. All right? We don't f***ing work for you. You can keep on blinking away. Blink one more time. That's right. Well, so, okay, so a couple of points here. First of all, mm -hmm. yeah, I think he's partly joking around. <laughs> um, yeah. But obviously, you know, it, it, he, he made the point of you. I, I'm not going to move for you. I mean, that is true. The boss going straight and the humans walking down the, the sidewalk. Why would I be the one to move? And two, they put big, giant beautiful eyes so that you feel connected to the bot and you feel kind and i think it kind of works but tell me what's uh, what you got out of that little clip well first i mean for for those who may not be aware of it there actually are these sidewalk bots in certain areas that could do food delivery and so it's not everywhere yet so a lot of people may not have been seeing it and uh, obviously in some communities this is something kind of new they're going down there and they need to share the sidewalks a bit better and you see it's kind of hogging the sidewalk it's 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 right there in the middle but the other thing you have to remember is there are certain protocols in place for these bots to make sure that they don't uh, injure in anyone or you know they don't want to get in the way but their protocols are that when there's they're blocked by a human or something like that is to not to move because it's considered dangerous to kind of do that they expect mm -hmm. the human to go around and of course now the reaction is like a person who's not aware that these are kind of the in-place protocols and not that the robot's stupid it's just that it's been decided by a committee that is the best way to do it the same thing is going to happen on the shop floor where you have a lot of these autonomous bots moving around is that when they come into something like that it's like just stop just wait till the people get out of the way and then proceed when it's clear it seems to me he's hoping that there's also an audio link there to send the signal back to whoever is controlling the bot that we don't like this behavior and you're going to, you might start seeing more of it, you know, of people being kind of provoked because they want to just be able to walk down the sidewalk and why do they have to get out of the way? And in some ways it does seem kind of silly is, is who, who are they supposed to be serving? And I guess they're supposed to be serving humanity. So why do we have to make way for them? So it, it's part of an attitude, but you, you've also got to remember it's, it's something that we're going to have more and more conflict like this as this kind of technology begins to become deployed more widespread in many more communities, not just like in a college campus and a couple of cities that maybe have some research universities there that want to experiment with this, but when it becomes much wider spread. And the big question might be, is it more, is, is it just about the robots or is it about other kinds of disruptions? So before we started seeing these robots, we were starting to see that a lot of these rideshare services for um, like scooters and bicycles that were showing up in a lot of cities. And, you know, that was great to be able to have access to that, to be able to, to jump on a bike or a scooter whenever you want. You start seeing them in college campuses. And the thing is about them is you could just, you know, drop it wherever you wanted. And of course, a lot of the people who were operating those were, let's say, not being really good stewards of, 
of basically the scooters and would like leave it right in the middle of the, of the sidewalk. And that would annoy a lot of people that are walking around there and you're like, they want to kick the scooter over or do something like that. Sometimes they're leaving on the steps and that causes a lot of anger from, from people who are seeing that as becoming very disruptive. And part of the anger may be headed towards the scooters or the scooter manufacturers or those that are running this. Um, and occasionally you'll get someone who'll get so upset and they'll throw it in the river or do something like that. But that's probably more sometimes people being on a drunken bender at night, they see one of these things on a bridge and they say, oh, let's just go ahead and throw it in for fun. As opposed to necessarily a posse going out and just saying, we're going to round all these things up and like get them out of our city. Um, but you are seeing a little bit of that conflict already with certain areas of technology. Now, just imagine it when these things become a bit more autonomous and people are either scared of them or they feel like they're threatened or they may see this like, wait a minute, these, these things are, are taking away our jobs and, and we don't like that and they want to push back. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say the same thing. So I think there's three things. It's interesting that mm -hmm. this is already happening now, the anger mm -hmm. from the humans. And I'm just wondering, is it because of just, you know, they're, they're, they're starting to see it happen. But number one, there's not that many bots out there yet. What will happen when there's like <laughs> two bots per human as you're walking down the street? Like they're just everywhere. Two, bots haven't quite yet done anything to replace humans. You know, not, not, not avert, avert, but mm -hmm. it's going to start happening. So the anger will be even rising more. And then three, like you said, um, you know, these bots are pretty harmless right now. What happens when they are even more capable and they can move faster, they're stronger, how will humans react? So, you know, I, I'm sure we'll talk about it later too, but at some point there will be, right, anti-bot religions and anti-bot cults that exactly, will form exactly. armies that will fight this. So let me show a clip of this, this cones, humans reacting to mm -hmm. the autonomous cars in San Francisco. And then from there, let's, let's talk about why, why, why did this person or people are doing this? It seems to be something that they're just preventing it from happening or they're afraid that it's killing people? I don't know. So let me play this clip and we'll talk about it. No one's in it. I mean, Scott, this yep. coning of these autonomous cars, you know, is it just for fun? Like they just want to see what would these cars do if they were coned? And it's just a fun uh, way. You put it right there and it sees it and it will never move again. Or is it really okay. concerted effort? Yeah. It seems to be, I mean, you can look at it as like, oh, is it just like cow tipping or something like that? We've got you know, <laughs> nothing else to do. Let's go out and have some fun. But it seems yeah. to be a bit more premeditated and a bit more organized that you know, there are actually a large number of people that um, are against the autonomous vehicles in San Francisco for a variety of reasons. A lot of them feel that they, you know, safety concerns are blocking emergency vehicles. Uh, they're not sure if they're gonna cause accidents or get in, into accidents. They're certainly causing traffic jams and everything else. And there's some people that's just this antipathy against uh, the idea of a robo taxi to begin with. So it's not like one or two people. It seems to be partially organized and they've decided this is a way to sort of sabotage the whole operation without necessarily causing any real damage. It's like a major inconvenience to Cruz or Waymo, whoever they are, are coning at that time. And it's a very simple way of doing it without it being destructive, except in some cases, you notice they're blocking it in like the middle of traffic. So they're making it kind of worse. You know, it's, it's one thing if it's in a parking space where it's not going to block traffic, but you do that, you're not just stopping the robot taxi, you're causing then confusion and uh, problems for everyone else around. So the thing is, is, is what are they doing? Are they, are they violating any laws? You know, it's like they're not necessarily vandalizing, but they are putting that cone on there and causing traffic disruption. So I'm not sure how the, the cities are going to react to those kind of things and what form of policing is going to go in to uh, prevent or stop that. The only thing the, uh, the, the operators of these taxis can do is they have to send a human out there <laughs> to take it off. Or maybe someone else goes by and says, hey, you know, I'll just take the cone off so this thing gets goes ahead. So um, 
Yeah, again, that is a little bit more than one person angry that the bot wouldn't get out of his way on the sidewalk. That, to me, seems to be a bit more organized because it really is people not wanting to see this day come with robo-taxis. Yeah. So a couple of questions here was that those are the B, um, the uh, was Cruise and Waymo cars that mm -hmm. are using the LiDAR, but couldn't maybe the Tesla cars kind of learn? Because now they're using AI, they will know, well, that's just a somebody coding me again. That does not mean, you know, I can see the distance. I know that's right there. These are dumb cars at this point, and so they're easily mm -hmm. fooled. But don't you think eventually the cars will be able to just know right away it's not an issue? Yeah, they, they, they probably would. And maybe they'll learn that if they back up quickly and then hit the brakes, you know, the cone yeah. will fall off, you know? Or like you yeah. just go forward a little bit and hit the brakes and then it rolls. But then you have to drive over the cone and, you know, maybe, maybe that's okay. So there will be some ways of being able to get around that and defeat it. The thing is, everything always escalates, you know? <laughs> Today it's cones, tomorrow it's going to be something else. And so there has to be management of sort of the fact that a lot of the people in the public are not sure and they're uneasy about it. So you need to have these campaigns to kind of go out there and let people know, no, this is a good thing. There's nothing to be afraid of. And that this idea of coning is kind of an unacceptable social norm <laughs> to, to go ahead and do something like that. But you can see that this is going to always happen in disruptions. There's going to be a small number of people that can do this that could be extremely disruptive, of course. Uh, going ahead and doing it. Sounds it. like you're a and pro then, course, bot, hey, Scott. Right. Well, I mean, the, th the thing, well, actually, I, I was at a, a um, an autonomous vehicle conference about a month ago in Tampa, and there was a presentation um, from an individual, um, I think it's Brad Templeton. He's, um, I think, one of the former uh, directors of the uh, what uh, Electronic Freedom Foundation, something like that. And he feels that every day that you push off autonomous um, cars, yeah. um, you yeah. are costing lives. Yeah. So every year yes. you do that, basically you are saying it's acceptable for us to lose another 42,000 lives. And that, that there is kind of the small thing that they're looking at. Yes, whenever you have any sort of technology or something like that, there's always going to be some accidents and something that happens, okay? And, but, if you look at it from the picture of the greater good, it's like, well, we know there's going to be some teething pains, but the sooner we get to that point, the sooner we are eliminating these 42,000 deaths a year. And he, he has a graph. He's, he's, one of these guys, he's, he's evidently been writing a paper he's getting ready to, to publish. Uh, and he's done like four revisions of it, four drafts, and they're still not satisfied with it. So because he's one of those guys, a perfectionist, mm -hmm. that is going to be showing like these graphs that as, as you do it and go up, how the number of deaths are just going to start to fall down and how it goes up and where kind of the crossing point is for that. And again, it just comes down to every day you wait, you basically are saying, let's push off the day this is going to happen. And eventually the data is going to come out and show you that uh, lives are going to be saved. To say nothing of like time that's going to be saved, you know, all, all the productivity gains we'll be able to have because we'll be able to work in in our vehicles or in our cars as we're going someplace as opposed to have a focus on the road and then arrive like, you know, completely exhausted. <laughs> He's like, yeah. oh, this presentation I have to do. It's like, I, oh, I feel like it's, you know, the traffic killed me. I think it's like 50-50. I think 50% of people realize that it's better to go autonomous. Vehicles will be so much safer. And then 50% don't believe mm -hmm. that that's mm -hmm. going to happen or that they think it's going to kill people. They're killing people right now. But the anger is very high. So let me show another video, mm -hmm. way more than just what we see now, which is an angry person or coning. This one is <laughs> true mm -hmm. anger. Let's go watch this one.
So interesting in that video, video that you can see the anger. I want to ask you, do you think that um, that person was actually causing any damage? Because it looked pretty strong. Maybe it was designed to, with the anticipation that this might happen. And then two, you actually have other humans who were saying, call 911 and you, know, you piece, of, piece of whatever. And they were like, no matter that it was an autonomous car, that nobody was in there, they were still very upset that it was happening. So you got you have both yeah, sides. Yeah, that, that was there. an interesting interesting dynamic so instead of conan it was more conan uh going out there and trying <laughs> to beat it up i i guess i wasn't actually that impressed with his hammering skills because i i would have <laughs> thought he would have been able to smash through the the windshield a lot easier than that and do more damage and then he decided to go to i guess what are the more expensive bits uh which is of course the lidar and i was you know it's like man what you know he's not causing any damage to that thing he keeps whacking away on it not much is going on and I guess I was surprised because that's the first time I think I'd actually heard the audio on that to see that the other people weren't just filming it because it would make a great TikTok, but they were actually angry at he was doing. So that was kind of surprising. It's like, and I don't know, maybe they didn't realize it was an autonomous car. There's just like someone's cars there and then the guy's beating up on it. Who knows? Mm. But you can see from that 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 was completely premeditated. It wasn't that the guy was just suddenly very angry as he's walking down the street. He brought a hammer with him. And he dressed up in black and he had a ski mask in San Francisco in the summertime. Now, I don't care what Mark Twain says about, you know, the coldest winter I ever spent was summer in San Francisco. It ain't that cold in San Francisco that you need to wear a ski mask going around the streets. So that was definitely something premeditated all along that. Um, and again, I don't think it's necessarily like one individual that just decided to do it. I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a, a bunch of them that are kind of worked up and they're thinking about it. They have the opportunity have talked about it and everything like that. So it, you may see more of it. Who knows? Yep. Well, this is another video. This one here. Oh my God. Let me pause it there. So at least this bot actually had an alarm ringing mm -hmm. away, right? So let me just right. keep playing. It. Right, right. Oh man, look at <laughs> somebody knocked him over. Who is it? It's Austin. They steal your food too. Austin got robbed. So some of that is is angry anger at the bots but another one is just robbing it robbing it's just opportunity know, stealing the food that was in it <laughs> yeah things there right so one somebody was stealing the food somebody might have been angry at it somebody was just having a lot of fun jumping on it and hey you know you're a robot i'm gonna ride you and just have fun and then yep. at the end they kind of end there going you know there's like five of them they could if they wanted to attack you so we could talk about that like <laughs> yeah if they could if they would that. so i again it's just uh, opportunity and you know everyone feeling that it's okay to steal from these bots because they're not people so if you were a delivery person going on around there, you know, chances are someone's not going to try to tackle you to take the food. I'm sure it happens every now and then, but it's more likely to be that because it's such an easy opportunity. And it seems like a victimless crime as far as anyone's concerned. And then, you know, to then make matters worse, you know, tip it over rather than just go ahead and take the food. What I'm surprised is they don't have a better locking mechanism that it's so easy to get mm -hmm. into these things. And again, you know, you've got the alarm system on there and, the indifference of a lot of other people or you know they're not going to try to stop or maybe they're going to call 911 or it's just like oh great look <laughs> i've got a great tiktok video here i'll just go ahead and film and not do anything 
it, it, this, this is going to be a problem with the acceptance and, and what do you try to do to protect the goods and is it just considered a, um, a cost of business? So again, uh, when they set up these, these ride shares for bicycles and scooters and everything, they expected there was going to be a certain amount of what, what they would call in the trade, what shrinkage, <laughs> that you're going to lose some stuff, things are going to get broken, they're going to get vandalized, and you just have to make sure it's at, at like some sort of acceptable level. But at some point, if it becomes too high, then that means that they have to start looking at uh, greater security measures to be able to make sure this doesn't happen. Because there's two, there's a couple, obviously you're, you're losing the revenue there. And second, the, you know, the customer is sitting waiting for their food and it never arrives. And so you're gonna have to send that out again. And then, you know, if that one gets robbed, you know, how many times do you do it in that particular neighborhood? If, if this is happening again and again and again, uh, you're just gonna give up and say, okay, we're not gonna send the food and maybe do a normal DoorDash where you actually have a human going ahead and doing that. At some point, if enough people are depending upon the robots to get their food, they're going to get kind of angry that other people are stealing their food on the way. And they're going to start, you know, maybe telling people, hey, get away from that delivery bot. You know, I don't want you doing that because tomorrow that's going to be the ones coming to my house. So you may be seeing something like that, that the social trends change. Just like we saw the, the people with the cruise with the hammer. They weren't like, yeah, go ahead and get that bot, beat it to pieces. It was like, hey, get out of here. You know, we're calling 911. So so maybe there is hope that eventually people will, will make it sure that robots are considered acceptable in society and that it's not acceptable for you to go ahead and to vandalize them. So Scott, what do you think can what do you think will happen and what can happen, right? So first of all, mm -hmm. there's a lot of potential um alter the reactions that these bot and bot vendors can do, right? So the first one is do nothing. Just stop. Mm -hmm. Somebody's coming up, don't do a thing, let it be hit let it be stolen, um, you know, set, sound the alarm, but it's a bot. It's, like you said, part of business, a bit of it, it's going to be damaged and pilfered and all that. The other bit mm -hmm. is they set the alarm. They have more security. What other thing? How about evasive rea ev action, ev reactions? Could it have evasion reaction, evasive reactions? Could it um, have a human speaking through the bot? Could... Mm -hmm. You know, I want to talk to you about this because right now we have dumb bots, but what happens when they're smart bots with AI machine learning and they're all learning from each other? And what if it can recognize your face? Scott Walter, I'll report mm -hmm. you to the police. And then he'll say, you know, uh, <laughs> it can actually learn how to evade, but also probably even attack back. <laughs> Is this yeah. crazy talk? I mean, I mean, like at one point, could the bot decide on its own? to do something because it has one objective is given, deliver the food or whatever the bot, whatever the bot objective was. And then something is stopping it and it'll go, I'm going to do something about it. And I'm going to learn on my own to decide what to do. And one of it could be, Oh, if I just push this human out of the way, I'm, you know, I'm not going to lose so much time to accomplish my goal. Yeah. It, it, the question is, does it uh, learn rude behavior? <laughs> because sometimes that, that's what kind of works in a situation like that. The other thing is maybe it learns something called, you know, verbal jujitsu, just talks its way out of it, you know, entertains whoever it is with, you know, a couple of stern warnings. Like you do realize that, you know, you're on camera right now. I've got 35 pictures of you and you go ahead and touch me, you know, the fingerprints right here. We've already got that. And then, then who knows? I mean, if it shouts out the person's name, that would be enough like for the person to stop. It's one thing to say, hey, I've got your picture, but yeah, I just looked you up in the DMV. I know exactly here. I know your address. <laughs> I know everything about you. I know, know your birthday. I, I know the grades you've gotten in first grade. So something like that might be enough to, for someone to be able to say, no, um, I'm not going to proceed. So the normal kind of thing is obviously the alarm that you see there. And then, um, you know, maybe some verbal commands that might be coming either automatically from the bot or from a human operator that's on there that can kind of give a stern lecture to the person like, watch out, you know, it's like we're going to do these things. But then there's a the question of what kind of countermeasures will be acceptable. So normally in a situation like that, you've got two possible responses, responses, fight or flight. All right. So the, the flight is obviously, does it just stand there and take it or does it run away? Um, and, and tries to back out of the situation. Now, there are some always potential hazards and something like that. It's like, if you, it, you just try to, to slowly get out of the situation and go in the opposite direction, um, or do you try to do it very quickly? And you've got to make sure when you do it that you then don't cause some other chain of events that comes back to you as a form of liability. So that's like, would be one of the concerns that probably all of them have is like, we just got to here and take our licks because if we do anything else and someone else gets hurt, 
we are going to be the ones that are kind of liable for it. So um, the questions are what countermeasures are acceptable? And I have to ask you, what do you think would be acceptable countermeasures? Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> you and I are now designing a bot. Yeah. We have the decision making. And, and this is the we thing, right? different vendors mm -hmm. will have different moral codes and they yes. will say different, you know, uh, tolerance of safety to humans. So we'll talk about this later, which is the Asimov three rules the three, uh, you know, three, three laws of robotics uh, yep. laws for, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. but, I mean, but I think, you know, so first of all, human life matters most. And so even if you've got an angry life, I think you, it's part of your business, right? So I would just say you should be able to evade. Uh, you should never attack. I think, uh, just taking photos and videos is all you can do. Um, yeah. And, that's as and, far and as I would go. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is that concern. I mean, even policing that, you know, every now and then, uh, you know, um, someone blows through a red light or something like that. And then there's a police chase and then there's a fatal the accident so, somewhere along the way yeah. that, that, you know, and then the whole thing comes down to liability and, and that, oh, people saying, well, the, they should just let the guy go through the red light and they shouldn't have the police chase. Otherwise, you know, this accident wouldn't happen. So the same thing comes down to these bots. They have to realize that the, the bots can be replaced. Human life cannot. And um, they're just going to have to use other things, hopefully, you know, with an alarm that you then have police or other people act on there as if it's just kind of normal vandalism. And it's the question of whether the police departments themselves care enough about that. You know, it's like, ah, the bots, we don't care about that. The whole community, they hate the bots. We're not going to go out. Or are they going to really be kind of serious about that? It's like, no, it, this, this is vandalism is going on. We're going to get the perpetrators. You know, how serious they get, it, get into that uh, at some point. So again, you've got the possibility to flight and then the fight. So you, you could have like some weird countermeasures. So let's just like say, well, let's just do something like to shock the person. So like we electrify the thing. So when the person touches like, yeah, you know, they get some kind of shock or something like that. You know, that might be some kind of deterrence or you do some high pitched uh, noise, you know, some, some ultrasonics yes. or something like that. That's like ear piercing. Like, oh, I can't, can't stand that. Um, or, um, you know, you, you have like a taser that you shoot those things out. So, you know, any one of those can be work, but remember that's probably not the only person in the vicinity. So like you shoot the taser, the guy ducks and like hits someone else. It's just like minding their own business. And like, suddenly they're getting tased or, you know, someone else while they're walking down there just accidentally touches the bot and gets, you know, shocked or electrocuted and they have a pacemaker. And then again, like the ultrasonics is like going to be disrupting and, and, and hurting everyone else. So again, it's like, you know, you can come up with the countermeasures that might be able to stop the attacker, but what about the innocent people that are around there that are in the vicinity and the liability that goes with it? So that's like one of those discussions they have to have. And like you say that, you know, like you have a net, you know, the bat net that comes out, you know, it's like, ties the guy up or something like that. You can come up with all these contraptions. The question is, is it, is it worth the cost that you'd have to do to implement all those things versus just doing normal kind of surveillance? And is it worth the potential liability? And finally, it's like, you know, you could say there's some people, you know, some bot makers will treat the problem differently, but in the end, there are going to be laws, you know, it's like they, they, they cannot just do whatever they want. It's like, oh, we're just going to put a taser on it. It's like, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> I think there's going to be laws against that. So yeah, what are the countermeasures and, and what's going to be acceptable? I, I like the ones that you came up with. Those are fantastic ideas. Um, it's a slippery Silly slope. string. That's another one. Silly string. Yeah. <laughs> A real slippery Or just slope. a stink I, bomb. You know, you just a smoke screens. I mean, you can wanna, come up with all sorts of things. I want to come back to this idea, though, Scott. Like, you know, uh, this is what we're seeing now is coded bots. They are told what to do and how to do it and how to react this through code. But we're now knowing that there's going to be so many bots that are just learning. They're learning through videos and they're learning from each other and they're making decisions on their own. Uh, humans don't even know how at that point bot decided to do this right so they're self-coding it's ai coding so this is a scary part like yeah at some point yeah. the bot can just decide that this you know i'm going to run over and run this person over so you could put laws in place so how do you do that like how do you prevent the bot from doing something but yet allow it to just freeform and make decisions on the fly yeah, I mean, that's that's a question of, uh, you know, the, the alignment problem in AI and making sure whatever it does doesn't violate some other precepts that you have in there to say, no, you cannot do this. And, um, you, know, you know, hopefully, you know, 
those restrictions actually work. It's not something that it can somehow easily violate or accidentally violate it. So if it decides to take some sort of action, it may be taking an action that it thinks is, is perfectly acceptable, but again, maybe not have seen the consequence of doing something. So it decides to like evade out of the way and not realize that by doing that, you end up bumping into someone else and that person falls over and, and gets injured or something like that. So there could be like these unforeseen consequences where you didn't intend to do that, but that's sort of what happened versus being really uh, malicious and, and doing something that would, you know, just cause all sorts of havoc because you, you lost your temper, <laughs> you, you know, you went ballistic. So, uh, there, so there, there's going to be two sets. I mean, there, there's going to be sort of some sort of regulatory framework that's going to say what the bots can and cannot do. And then people have to be able to translate that into the code of the bots themselves to make sure it follows whatever the rules and regulations are for a bot. And those will have to be strictly adhered to because if not, there's potentially, you know, libel or, you know, maybe even criminal penalties if you, you're intentionally putting a bot out there that could be considered dangerous to society. And again, it comes down to what is that existing framework that we should be looking at and thinking about to make sure that we have, um, you know, basically safeguards in place so that when these bots are around us, they're not going to hurt us, but they're actually going to be able to help us. Yeah. So I still think that bots, because they're AI driven, might uh, start thinking that humans are evil and I can't trust humans. Uh, ho hopefully then, not. But the, the, the thing is, there might be an emergent behavior that we weren't expecting and where it tries to do something to defend itself that it was not taught that's well outside of it that maybe is like, wow, that's a really clever way of doing it. Or it's like, whoa, that, you know, that was really dangerous. And it's lucky you got away with that and don't try that a second time kind of thing. So again, I it's just, like you know, uh, we as humans, we have adrenaline and suddenly we do something that we can't believe ourselves we were able to pull off and like, wow, I can't believe, you know, I ducked it or I get out of that just, just in time. The, the robots may have that same kind of thing that goes on there. And then you would have to look at that and supervise it to make sure, is that an acceptable reaction to a situation or not? Yeah. And society is going to, in the end, it's going to figure that out. I've just learned about self-invoking. And so this is the difference between a smart AI and a dumb AI and the, the, the feed the feedback versus the feed forward kind of concept that I'm understanding better. So if a bot uh, or an AI has the ability to self-invoke, they're given mm -hmm. an objective. And as they're accomplishing that objective and it fails, they try again, they try again in different, slightly different ways until they figure out how to do it correctly. And that's part and parcel of the way humans work, right? And that was uh, shown in that video that we watched with Tesla robot uh, Optimus, where it was taught to move the blue box, the blue bot blocks into this uh, area. And so it was able to do that, moving all the blue box. But then one of the blocks fell over and it realized it needed to turn it back forward and then put it back in again. And so, you know, it learned that on its own because it has an objective. And as it fell forward, it self-invoked itself to, oh, re I better redo it again. And this time I need to flip it. It mm -hmm. taught itself how to do that on its own. And so, right, it, it, these bots are deciding what the next steps are in reaction to what's happened to them. And so that's yes. the part I'm very concerned about. <laughs> yeah, and, and it could be that it's working within the, you know, the, the standard framework. But like you say, with the self-invocation going through, it's going to start... Uh, coming up with solutions that it hasn't been shown before. And that was a very good episode with Ash explaining you know, yeah. how that works in the ideas and trying to figure out what is AGI and what's it going to be like. And I know John Gibbs has sort of been in, in the camp that it would be self-embodied because the whole idea is the AI needs to have agency, the ability to do something. So your car doesn't have AGI because while it can drive itself, it only goes to destination because I told it to go there. It doesn't just get up in the morning and say, oh, I'm just going to go down to Starbucks for the fun of it, just because it, it feels <laughs> like it. So it, it's, it's basically doing things on its wants. It doesn't have any wants or desires. It just does sort of what it's told. Now, the question is, when you get into this, that the robot somehow has to protect itself. And you, you start kind of going through that loop. Does the, the robot say, well, this is an imperative that what I have to do? And it devises some clever way to get out. You know, so it can either say, all right, I've been told to just sit here and take my licks. But at the same time, I was told over here, try to do something to make sure you don't get hurt. And it might just decide, no, today I'm, I'm, I'm taking some agency here. I've, I've had enough of getting beaten up. 
I'm going to try to get myself out of this, this situation. And so whether that kind of comes into play is, I think is kind of the scary part you're talking about. You know, how, how long is it going to turn a cheek? You know, keep turning the cheek and turning the cheek until it's like, nope, I'm coming in with the right hook this time. Uh, and, you know, and that will be, that will be a scary day because that maybe that, that's the day that the robots all wake up. Um, I'm not sure that that's going to happen, but it is something that you potentially have to think about when you start giving them a certain amount of autonomy and being able to protect themselves in some way or to prevent destruction from happening to you. I mean, the question, do you call it protect, defend? What's it going to be? Because defend sometimes can have an offensive component to it, whereas, you know, protect is like just try to do something as best you can, call for help. Let's talk about the, the three laws of robotics. So this mm -hmm. is uh, what we've been talking so far is what can the bot vendors, what can the bots themselves, what will they do? How will they protect themselves? But what about protecting the humans, right? That's a rule number one. So here is uh, Asimov's three laws of robotics. He wrote a book. He had talked about this decades ago in the 60s. And, yes. you know, he probably foresaw the future, but things are in the future are now this whole AI machine learning kind of AGI we're headed towards. So does this still apply? What would you change to it? Oh, ab absolutely. Now, uh, Asimov, of course, was quite a, a genius and a prolific uh, science fiction writer. And the, the feeling I had is this is something he just kind of came up one night while he was like writing his books, iRobot I mm -hmm. and everything else in the Foundation Trilogy of what's supposed to be in there. And so what's amazing is he probably didn't give it like a whole lot of thought, but he just sort of put it down there because it fit within the framework of the science fiction novels he was writing. And when I first heard these laws being brought up in like a conference in the 80s, one of these robotic safeties conference, I kind of laughed. I said, are you kidding? Asimov's three laws? That was like a science. That, that's not like, you know, like the real laws of, of, of robotics, are they? And everyone was really taking it seriously. And that's when I stopped laughing and looking. I was like, mm -hmm. what are they talking about here? And so if we, we go back to the three laws and, and sort of look at that again, you know, see that the first thing is that the robot should not bring any harm to a human. So that's like the very first law. Okay, so not injure a human being through inaction or allow a human uh, harm to come to a human. So, so you don't intentionally try to hurt a human. And if you can see a human's about to get hurt, then you need to go over there like Superman and catch them before they fall down or something like that. So that's like kind of the, the, the first law. Um, the the second law is that you know obviously you must obey whatever the orders are given by the human unless it conflicts with the first law. So the idea is you cannot say, oh, I'm going to get an Optimus robot and now I'm going to use it to. Um, to, to hurt someone or to, uh, you know, do something which will definitely cause physical harm to someone else. So that it cannot be done. And there's going to be nuance there. Exactly. What does that mean? I mean, we've already seen with chat is you can say, oh, pretend you're this and like get it into kind of a dark mode where it does some strange things uh, to tell you how to do things, even though it's told it's not supposed to do that. And the question is whether the bot's going to be smart enough to know that I ask it to do something and it doesn't realize what I'm asking to do is actually going to cause harm to someone. So it may or may not know that, but hopefully the, the bots will make sure that they are not causing harm to a human, even when they are doing a task that they were told to do. And then when they suddenly realize, wait a minute, this task is now in violation of number one, we have to stop that. So again, this is something that we would consider to be almost part of the firmware of the robot. It's baked right in there to make sure that no matter what decisions it makes, it has to make sure it sort of is following these laws. And the last one, of course, you know, the robot must protect its own existence. So at some point, the robot does have, have to do something to make sure it doesn't get damaged unless mm -hmm. <laughs> it conflicts the first or second law. So um, those are, are, that's basically kind of the framework. Now, remember, this is just, these aren't laws written in stone. They're, they're not real laws. They're not laws of the universe or anything else, but they are really good framework to consider the whole problem and how they should be done. And so when legislators start coming up with different laws on what we could do to protect robots, or or let's say, what are the, the robot vendors allowed to do to protect their property? Because we have a certain right to be able to protect our own property in a certain way, but we can only take it so far. So we, we know the this thing that uh, you have a right to protect someone that breaks into your house. So you, you can go ahead and do that. And if, if you have to discharge a firearm to do it, you're within your legal rights to do that. However, if your house is constantly being broken in and you're sick and tired of it, and then you booby trap the front door with a shotgun. So when someone comes through, that shotgun goes off, you can't do that. You know, there's a famous case law on that. So you, 
so there's there's sort of limits to what you do and the question is if you come up with a robot which is your property that is automatically able to defend itself using lethal force that's probably going to be nope not going to be allowed unless they change the laws that are out there so what defenses are going to be allowed you know there's like we said there's flight or fight and you know even flight they might say you know how, how far can you do with it can, can we put like you know rockets on this thing so it just like you know shoots off but you know when it does that it starts you know setting things on fire and stuff like that like well i protected myself and you know i just i was just flying out and out of here but it could have some consequences and then you know the the, the fighting is like how much how far can you go? Can like, you know, bump into someone a few times and, and, and attempt to run away? Or again, like these different measures we talked about of either using tasers or, you know, shocking someone in, in another way or ultrasonics, you know, whatever that you would be able to do uh, to protect it. Those are things that are going to have to be decided by legislatures. There's, there's going to be some laws. Uh, and I think the, the framework is going to be Asimov's laws there to give us an idea of what it is we want to do because it seems pretty good. I mean, morally, if you look at that, do you have any any issue with those three laws? Is there anything that you would change? No, I mean they look good, but like I said, it's very it's very uh, too general. Like, what is a human being? <laughs> now, you okay. and I might know what a human being is because we know it when we see it. But will a bot know that if I wore all ski masks and everything, or if I'm wearing a costume, that I'm actually a human being or not? Or hey, that's not a human being. Let me kill it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the other thing is maybe there's like, a, you know, thou shall not kill in there for anything like, you know, no, no pets or anything like that. So no, no animals. So it, it may be that it goes a little bit further than that. And it's not like Asimov was completely happy with this because remember, he he was just writing this stuff because I think he had to have it for like these weekly science fiction magazines. Uh, almost like Dickens, you know, Dickens was like writing David Copperfield, you know, every week he had to have something out. So he was like always in a rush, get it done, get it done. And then later on, Asimov came back and re-edited everything to get the consistency. And he, he thought it was like, oh, you know what? I'm missing one more. There's a zeroth law that we got to put in there. And that is, you know, robot should not cause any harm to humanity. So the first one is no harm to humanity. And then like no harm to a person. But, you know, those start to get kind of weirdly contradictory there because at some point it may be that you actually have to harm a person to protect humanity and you know is, is a robot then kind of stuck in that loop like you know in star trek where you had that one android you know the smoke coming out of his ears because you know this is illogical cycle that you're kind of going through is like i'm not supposed to hurt a person but this person is about to push the the button that's going to nuke the entire planet what do i do do I stop the yeah. person? Similarly, if you or look not. at law two, yeah. a robot yeah. must obey the orders given to it by human beings. Well, you know, mm. I'm a human being, you are too. So now you can say something, I can say something, and which one do they agree to? Um, as long as it doesn't kill somebody. But if I say, you know, steal that thing and give it to me, and then you say, don't steal it, um, what does it do? That, that's a good question. I mean, yeah. there um, you're more or less talking about the owner. It's like, well, you have to take the orders from the owner and not from anyone else. Or you have to maybe, if a person suggests something to you to do something that mm, maybe you'll consider it, but really I have to pass it by my owner. <laughs> or is it like the robot's walking around there and a human says, no, you go over here. No, you come over here. It's going to get kind of confusing, I agree. So that would maybe need to be tightened up. But I think you understand that the overall principle there of what's going on, that, that when a robot is getting instruction from a human, you know, it's it's like everything it does comes from orders from the human. It just doesn't go ahead and do what itself. But whatever those orders are, you have has to make sure it does not violate the first law. So, like we said at the beginning, right? We're just at the very beginning, but it's inevitable that we're going to have thousands of bots walking around, going everything, all different form factors, different vendors, different objectives. Um, you know, you're you're. There definitely will be these kind of three laws of robotics, 20 laws of robotics that will be formed by legal that I mm -hmm. agree will happen. But it's, you know, you have the society deciding how they're going to accept it. And very clearly at this point, there's going to be a very good sized group of people that will not accept this and they will fight, hurt, um, campaign against this. And then the other part that I keep bringing up and I'm really more worried about is the bots themselves are not dumb. And mm -hmm. they are able to learn on the fly. 
and they're not just these cute little delivery bots. Here, I want to show this video of a cute little delivery bot that can become not very cute right away. And it was just released by ETH, and it's a it's kind of an interesting kind of thing. So this thing can take different form forms. It One can minute, transform. it's a self-driving miniature car with a top speed of 14 miles per hour and a payload capacity of 110 pounds. The next, it's a two-legged humanoid robot able to climb staircases and use elevators. Its origins can be traced back to the animal, a quadrupedal robot that can autonomously navigate rough terrain. But the latest iteration, being developed by ETH Zurich's Swiss Mile company, could eventually be more than just the most efficient delivery bot on the market. It could actually save lives. The Swiss Mile robot is the brainchild of Marco Bjelonic. I asked the question, can we improve the capabilities of these machines by a hundredfold and not just through a marginal fraction? So the answer to this question was to add wheels, which managed to increase both speed and efficiency by these high fractions. And actually this humanoid robot was something that started out of fun. We said, shouldn't it be possible to stand on two legs and then um, drive around? And then we, we thought, okay, this could actually be something more than just a, a fun project. The all-electric six-foot-tall robot utilizes a combination of 16 motors, GPS, LiDAR sensors, and cameras to autonomously navigate city streets and avoid obstacles. So the size is very much governed by the environments that we build for humans. And especially for the logistics part, you need to be able to carry a certain payload, otherwise you're not very useful. And then we have the whole aspect of becoming also environmental friendlier. Some might wonder how the agile robot moves without any kinks when it switches from four wheels to two or climbs a staircase. This type of locomotion is taught to its AI control system with a reinforcement learning algorithm that utilizes a reward system to get what they want from the robot. You have a robot and it does a motion. We evaluate this motion and we either punish the robot or give it a reward. And through this punishment and giving a reward, the robot tried to optimize for rewards. So one of the rewards could be don't fall or one of the rewards are go over these stairs. 4,000 robots in parallel on a GPU accelerated computer, which is just a like super beefy PC, generate maybe data of one and a half years. And what the robot does, it has many different instances and you refer to, for example, the stairs. So there's also a model of the stairs in that simulation environment where the robot tries to go down the stairs without falling. Besides being an ideal tool for last-mile delivery services and a convenient data mapping option for creating digital twins of different environments, perhaps the most exciting potential future for the Swiss Mile robot is on rescue teams. You want to send a robot in into an unknown environment to make a first assessment for the rescue team so that they can go in into a known environment for finding pe lost people in forests or let's say there's a fire that comes out on a chemical plant I think if I make a naive prediction, I think it will happen before 2030. And for many years, we already work here in Switzerland with search and rescue teams directly to really see what is needed to actually make our um, robots useful for them. I think on one side is reasoning through intelligence for specific tasks so that the robot, even without human guidance, can make important decisions the next aspect will be fleets of robots. If you want to search a person in a forest, you don't want to send in one robot. You would like to send maybe 100 robots in. 2030 is still a ways away, but it's not hard to get excited imagining a rescue team of 100 Transformer robots. But is it possible for them to do more than assist in rescue? I don't want to take too much away because this will come, but we will be able to carry a person and by staying at the same size. Ah, oh, Scott, this, this bot is pretty impressive, but you saw at the end, that's where it gets scary. First, it's all good stuff, you know, it's here to save humans, rescue and save, but then it can carry a human. It can make decisions on its own. We're going to have a hundred bot army. Okay. 
uh, this could get out of hand very quickly. Am I overreacting? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean first, the, the design of it is amazing because it's a cross between Spot, you know, the Boston Dynamics Bot, and, you know, maybe Atlas, you know. It's like it has a humanoid form and it has a dog form. It's rather amazing. And again, the, the training that they did there is what I've always thought they could do. And something I suspect that Tesla must also be doing with Optimus and why everything was so fluid because they're just teaching it through these reward systems of, of how to walk. Is writing a heuristic for having it being able to balance itself? I don't, that's difficult to do. You can only do that through AI. And it's remarkable what it could do, the flexibility that everything that is sort of discovered of what's the best way for to get a low center of gravity or, you know, should I have my wheels up straight or should I have them down? And it just sort of shows you what you can do with AI. And now you're beginning to wonder, it's like, well, that's the control part of it. What's it going to be when it is autonomous and has to go to like a defensive mode? As you can see, it could very easily transform from what looks like a really nice dog to suddenly, oh, it's up there. It looks like a bear ready to punch you. Okay. That is fun. Thank you so much for this conversation. <laughs> this is something we're a little ahead of the game because uh, bots are here and they're coming fast and furious. We need to start thinking about this. And the, you can see the humans are getting very upset. It's, you know, there's a group of humans that are very upset and not as excited as we are about bots and the bot world that's coming. We need to think about how to protect humans. So, yes. Especially when it's self-learning. And- yeah, yeah, the, the humans and the bots both, but we, we have to remember that we can't tip the scales too much in the favor of the bots. In, in the end, it's it's the humans that we are concerned with, and we just have to do whatever we can to make sure that those humans that maybe are not accepting the arrival of bots begin to understand that it really isn't threatening. It's really there to improve their quality of life, and you know, it's, it's to benefit them, not just other people that are taking advantage of it. But so uh, yeah, and it's a conversation that I think needs to start. It's this dialogue I've been wanting to get out there to start having people thinking about that. I certainly don't have all the answers. All I know is that there's lots of questions on what's going to be the best way to go into this future with lots of bots, where there's going to be concerns about security <laughs> of not just people, but the bots themselves, and what kind of laws and regulations might potentially have to be put into place. And it's best to talk about it now, because a lot of times when you get to that critical point and suddenly everyone realizes they need to have laws, they, they're not well written. They're just rushed through. It's like, we need this. And then everyone realizes that it was not carefully considered. So now's the time to start carefully considering what those regulations should be, what they should look like. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Scott. So Scott and I have done many videos now, as I mentioned at the beginning, check them out on my YouTube channel. Uh, We've looked at so many bots and this was just yet another one. Uh, Follow him on X at Going Ballistic 5. He is just becoming quite quickly the expert in bots and uh, AI and other aspects. So thank you very much, Scott. Appreciate this. Thank you, Erwin. It's a pleasure to be here again. If you can, please consider supporting this channel. It's a lot of work arranging all of these amazing interviews. I've created a website that is the most comprehensive resource for the Tesla investor. And you can get for free three milestone tables that list every major milestone Tesla's ever had since 2003. Please check it out. Simply go to my website at herbertong.com. Thank you very much, and let's get brighter.